we make ourselves available to be used, he takes care of the talent and the gifting and the everything else. He will even make you look handsome if you need to for the occasion. Look at me. You should have seen me this morning. Uh, <clears throat> yes, yesterday we had a Bible uh, get-together. We went through the scriptures, and we're talking about sharing our faith and how important it is that we realize the, the why we need to share our faith, the who to whom, and the how to share our faith. And uh, yesterday we started with a song, an old-time hymn. There was no guitar, no piano, no background music. It was just us remembering an old hymn called Onward Christian Soldiers. And I thought, and I, I mentioned and I shared with everybody that was there, I grew up with songs like this. Songs that were not much vertical. It was not much, there were some, a few, but not many. Songs that were just from us to God in worship and praise. The majority of the songs were encouraging songs to one another. We would be singing to one another, reminding one another the promises of God. Oh, by the way, that was one of the old-time hymns as well, the promises of God. And prayer, and yeah, that was another song, the sweet hour of prayer. And Songs that would remind us of our faith, of our hope, and of our duty as disciples of Jesus, or as this song was, soldiers of Christ. And how is that at that time, those days of the, of the church, there was this uh, imagery of being in the middle of a war. And we were soldiers of Christ carrying on this, uh, this attack on the darkness with the light of, of the gospel of Jesus. So, <clears throat> I will not give it away. I will invite you next Saturday to come from 7 to 9. We're uh, at the clubhouse in Jan's place, which is behind Walmart. <clears throat> and we just get together and we share. And uh, we're going to be using a very dark passage of scripture, one that nobody really has heard, but that's what we're going to be using to share the gospel. It's found in the gospel of John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm sure nobody has heard about it. We're going to be using that and learning how to use it to share our faith in a natural, normal conversation with friends and family. Number one, that's what we were called to do. Number two, that's what has saved us. And number three, we're so grateful to our God that we need to tell somebody else about it. Amen? Also, there's going to be a, um, a call to all the parents of children that come to, the, is to this uh, service and then also to the 4 o'clock service to have a meeting with the teachers in order to get together and start talking and arranging and, and uh, fixing up and getting uh, all the stuff ready for that Christmas celebration because they're going to involve the children in skits and all that stuff, so they need to, to have a conversation with them. So if you are, have children that are going to be participating, and those that come in the 4 o'clock will be invited also to, to stay after the service at 4, which will be around 5, 
and talk about these things. Uh, we pray for Kathleen. She underwent a surgery that now is, uh, well, she's in the recovering stage, but we expected that the recovery was gonna be a little faster than this, and she's not well enough, so we need to pray for her. We need to see her up and doing the things that she loves to do, and so let's keep her in our prayers. Um, other than that, that's the announcements I have. So now I will ask you, what's in your hand? Amen. Whatever is in your hand right now, I need you to look at it, and if you say, there is nothing there, or there is something, there are fingers at least, right? Whatever it is that is in your hand right now, I need you to look at it and ask yourself this question. How can God use what I have right now on my hand to accomplish his purpose in my life? Because at one point in one person's life, when that person was being challenged by God to do something amazing, he asked God, how am I going to do that? And God pointed at his hand and said, what's in your hand? And whatever was in his hand, he was to use it in faith to do what God was sending him to do. And without him ever having an idea what God was going to do, with that which was in his hand, God accomplished mighty things. And I want to propose to you that we believe in the same God. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he used whatever was in the hand of that man, God can use whatever it is in our hand to accomplish his purpose. Let us pray. Our precious Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful morning. And now the time that we come together after doing the things we did, having our breakfast and lunch, cleaning a little the house, so we could be here. We can sit down, sit back, having sung songs of praise to you. We can relax and receive. Receive your word, receive your encouragement, receive your healing, receive your blessing as we are here before you. in faith. Speak to us. We're ready to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. The man I was making reference of in the introduction, his name is Moses. And it is the story of Israel in Egypt and how God used Moses to deliver Egypt from slavery. Just to make a little story, to remember what Israel was doing in Egypt, that's in the book of Genesis and the beginning of the book of Exodus. It was when Joseph had been sold by his brothers into slavery, <clears throat> ended up in Egypt, he served under Potiphar's 
household, and by some trickery, he ended up in jail, in prison. He was in prison for a number of years, but God had a plan for his life. And in that plan, God delivered him from prison and sat him as a governor of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh the king. Through some dreams that Joseph interpreted to Pharaoh, there were going to be seven years of abundance in Egypt, followed by seven years of famine. Joseph became the administrator of the land during the seven years to save up grain and stuff in order that when the seven years of famine began, then Egypt would be protected and would have enough so their people would not perish. During the seven years of famine, there was food in Egypt because of the wisdom of Joseph. People from other nations, from other places, were suffering. They knew there was food in Egypt, so they traveled to Egypt to purchase food from the Egyptians. Among them came Joseph's brothers, who had sold them into slavery, who thought he perhaps was by this time dead. When they came before him, he recognized them because they looked just like the shepherds they always have been. They did not recognize him because now he was dressed like an Egyptian. He looked like an Egyptian. He was the governor of the whole land, a wealthy, powerful man. They didn't know who he was. He gave them food. He didn't know how to deal with them. But God was dealing in the heart of Joseph. After a few scenarios, finally Joseph says to them, I am your brother. Joseph, whom you sold into slavery, they trembled. They thought he's going to kill us. Joseph says, no, what you meant for harm, God meant for good to save our family. How is my father? Go and bring my family with all, with everyone. Bring everybody. You'll come to live with me in Egypt. There was about 70 people. All his brothers, his sisters-in-law, his nephews and nieces, and everybody. It was about 70 people. Looked like the Lozano family, pretty much. So they come in into the land, and Pharaoh assigns them a place very fertile, ground next to the delta of the Nile. There they settled. There they grow. There they become prosperous. Years go by, Joseph dies, and the scripture says, another pharaoh came into power who did not know who Joseph was and didn't care who he was. All he cared was there is these foreigners living in the land who are growing in numbers and growing in, in prosperity. We need to do something about that group of people. So he decided to turn against them and to treat them as slaves. So from that point onward, Israel becomes slaved to the Egyptians. 
strong hand makes them work hard. And when things continue to go well for the Israelites, even under those conditions, the treatment becomes even harsher to the point in which Pharaoh says every boy born into an Israelite family under the age of two must die. There is this woman, faithful woman who has had a baby child, has been hiding him, can't hide him any longer, makes a little basket, puts the baby in the basket, puts him in the, on the river, and sends him away. Down the river, there is a woman bathing who picks up the basket and finds the baby, loves the baby, takes the baby, adopts the baby as her own. That woman who saved that child from the waters of the Nile was no one else but the daughter of King Pharaoh. So now Moses grows up not as a slave, now he grows up in the palace, grows up as the grandson of Pharaoh the king. He goes and he's treated like royalty. He is educated as an Egyptian royalty. And he grows up as a young man. But he never forgot his roots because God opened a door in which he never, he never lost touch with his mother and his older sister. So he knew who he was, an Israelite. But he knew he had given this amazing opportunity to be in the palace of Pharaoh. Well, what is he going to do? Bible says one time he goes out of the palace and goes into the land of Egypt to see how his brethren, the Israelites, are being treated. And he finds one Egyptian mistreating an Israelite slave, and Moses gets angry, and he attacks the Egyptian and kills him. Then he hides him. He goes back to the palace. A few days later, he goes back again to see how things are going, and he finds two Israelites fighting with each other. So he goes in the middle and says, Stop! Your brethren, how are you fighting with each other? And one responds, What, are you the judge of us now? Are you going to kill us just like you killed the Egyptian? Oh, oh, he got scared. Now the secret was out. If that goes to the Egyptians, he'll be treated as a murderer. So he runs away, leaves Egypt, goes into the desert, and he lives in the desert. It is not until you come to the book of Acts, chapter 7, when you hear out of the mouth of Stephen, why is that Moses went and killed that Egyptian? The scripture says, Moses thought, Moses thought that his people, the Israelites, would see him as the rescuer. 
He thought. He's trying to understand what's going on in his life. He's trying to, to understand and figure out what the purpose of God is. He knows he's an Israelite. He should be a slave. He should be one of those mistreated in the, in the land. But instead of that, he and he alone is in the house of Pharaoh, treated like royalty. And in his mind is, there must be a purpose. And in his mind is, I'm sure that what God wants is I use my influence as a, the grandson of Pharaoh to free my people. And he takes it in his own hands and he kills the Egyptian. That's one. He has to kill a whole bunch, but that, that's the first one. And he thinks people of Israel would understand he's a hero. But it didn't work out that way. Now he's in the desert. Now he's a foreigner. He's not only an Israelite, that he's not in his land. He's not in Egypt. Now he's in the wilderness. He's in Midian. And he's fleeing as a criminal. So he's trying to hide. Something went wrong with his plans. I want to stop right there with Moses and I want to bring it to our lives. Because sometimes, as we grow up, we try also to understand our purpose in life. We also try to see God's hand in our lives, and we, we also have dreams that we, we want to achieve. And we have goals. And, and we grow up thinking, yes, God's hand is upon me. I've read it in the scriptures. I know God loves me. I know God has a purpose. And, and this is the route. This is how I'm going. God is going to do great and marvelous things. And there we go. Along the way, something happens. The plans derail. It didn't work out the way I had planned it to be. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, before I know it, the, the, the road that was so straight in the purpose that I understood, I interpreted to be the purpose of God, all of a sudden, stops. Now I don't know what to do. Things, they work out the way I wanted them, or I thought, or I planned them. There's a whole bunch of questions. Was I wrong? Or maybe I was right, but God no longer needs me? Maybe I need to take a break? And when I say things happen, all sorts of things happen. We just happen to be human. Sometimes it's health-wise. We're doing so well, and all of a sudden, Something happens, of our health breaks down, and breaks down badly enough that our dreams, our expectations, our plans get derailed. Sometimes it's financial. We're doing well. We're moving along. All of a sudden, something happens, and we find ourselves upside down in everything, and our finances are lost, Sometimes it's in relationships. 
Things were going well. We're pursuing our plan, pursuing our purpose, and something happens. There is a divorce. There is a death. Something happens. I, I, I just, everything breaks down in front of me. Now what? Now I find myself like Moses in the wilderness. What am I supposed to do now? And the tendency, the human tendency like Moses, is to run away and hide. At least here, in the desert, I am not going to continue suffering. I'm going to protect myself. Isn't that what Moses did? That's why he flee Egypt, to protect himself. He wasn't going to expose himself to further situations that might have cost him his life. Now, he, does, he thought he was supposed to be the hero, and now... He's a fleeing criminal. He thought the hand of God was in him, or upon him. That's why he was pursuing this. And with all his might, now something happened and ends up hiding. He's in Midian. He is in the desert. And he stays there for a while. He marries a Midian woman. He has two children with her. He makes a life with, with the Midianites. To, be, to, to the point in which he stays there for 40 years. Many times when we end up on this side, we believe well, this is it. I must learn to live with it. I need to learn to accept my fate. Having born as an Israelite, he lived as an Egyptian, and now he's living as a Midianite. He's working for his father-in-law, tending the sheep. Wow. Raised in the king's palace. Educated in the king's courts. Treated as the king's grandson. Now he's in the wilderness tending sheep. Why is he doing that? He's doing what he needs to do, right? That's what we do. We need to manage life as it comes. We need to live life. We need to play the cards that are dealt to us. I was going this direction. I thought this was going to be it. Something happened. I end up in the wilderness. I must, I must manage. I got to live. What about your dreams, Moses? What dreams? What about your desire to help your people, Israel? Who? The ones that turn on me the next day? What about your, 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 your dreams and expectations of being the hero that frees the Israelites? Yeah, that went well. Look where I'm at. Yeah, when you're in the wilderness, it's really hard to dream. When you're in the wilderness, it's really hard to see beyond today. 
In the wilderness, all you want is to survive today. Yay, I celebrate. I paid the electric bill today. I celebrate today. I was able to pay the rent this month. No more dreams. No more aspirations. Yeah, that was when I was young. Young people dream. I've learned. I'm in the desert now. So, how are you doing, Moses? I'm okay. I'm doing okay. Book of Exodus, chapter 3, tells us the rest of the story. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now. Therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Egypt, of Israel, out of Egypt. So what happened? Maybe Moses had forgotten. God never forgets. Remember, Moses thought he was wrong in the assumption of what God's purpose was for his life. God never makes a mistake. If he put a purpose in your heart, he, if he calls you for some special reason, it doesn't matter what life throws at you. Maybe you need to end up in the wilderness for a season. And that's only going to be for you to be the better tool in his hands to accomplish the purpose for which he had called you. Maybe Moses had given up even on himself. God, God never does. God never does. He's doing his thing. 
tending the flock when he comes upon this burning bush. And he has this encounter with God. And you may think, oh, I would like to have one of those experiences. Oh, you will. If you haven't, you will. I don't know what you do. What is your daily task, activity? When you see Moses here, this is not special. He's doing his daily task activity. This is what he does for a living. So maybe, maybe you work on the fields, or you maybe, maybe you work in construction, or maybe you go to the office, or maybe you're just at home cleaning house. You're going about your business. When you have an encounter with this God, and you will know he's God because when he calls you, he will call you by your name. I don't know about you. No bush in this town knows my name. So if all of a sudden a bush says, Reuben, oh, that will be freaky. Instead of that, Moses says, here I am. You call me? Talking to a bush. Talk about crazy people in the wilderness. I am your God. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have seen the suffering of my people in Egypt. I have seen what the Egyptians are doing to them. And I have come down to deliver them, and I'm going to use you. Moses should be jumping up and down, right? Wrong. Wasn't that the dream he had? Wasn't that what he thought his purpose in life was? Why isn't he jumping up and down when God says, it's time, Moses? Oh, because time in the wilderness will have its effect on you and on me. Not only will sharpen some certain areas of our lives, but it will also dull certain areas of our lives. God says, I am sending you before Pharaoh. The last person Moses wants to see is Pharaoh. So Moses is not too sure about this plan, and he raises a few objections. Objection number one, verses 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Question number one. Objection number one. Who am I? What's so special about me? God, you must have very short memory. A few years ago, I killed an Egyptian. That doesn't qualify me for saint of the day, I don't think. Who am I? I've been hiding for 40 years in the wilderness trying to forget what happened in Egypt. Does that qualify me to become a hero? Who am I? Maybe 40 years ago when I was younger and stronger, I could have taken on the Egyptians. Now, I'm 40 years older. Who am I? God's answer is, I will certainly be with you.
God's answer is, you're right, not much about you. You need to trust in me. I will be with you. Objection number two, verse 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them then? Second question, who are you? First question, who am I? Second question, who are you? Why should I trust in you? That's a very common experience when we've lived too long in the wilderness. That at one point, we blame God for what has happened. Really? Where were you 40 years ago? When I was trying to do what now you're telling me to do, where were you then? If it hadn't happened, what happened? If my life had not come to that point of derailment, I wouldn't have had to spend all these years hiding in the wilderness. In pain. In Moses' case, away from his family, away from his brother, his sister, his mother, away from his household. He hadn't seen him for 40 years. Really? First question, who am I? Second question, who are you? Why should I trust you now? Verses 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord our God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Then God says, But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst, and after that, he will let you go. God's promise, God's word. I will be with you. It's not going to be easy. He'll say no many times, but I will do the work. And at the end, he will let you go. 
that enough for Moses now? Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. What if the people of Israel don't believe me? So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. God said to him, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and cut it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, has appeared to you. What is in your hand? I'm a shepherd. I have a rod. With that rod, you will bring the people out. It's amazing. The rest of the story, he goes to Egypt, talk to the elders. The elders are like, eh, we don't believe you. He throws a rod, becomes serpent. Oh, we believe you. He grabs the rod, goes to Pharaoh. He tells him to leave him, let him go. He says, no, I'm not going to let him go. He throws the rod, becomes a serpent. Pharaoh freaks out. But then the magicians come, throw the rods, become serpents. Says, he's trickery. But then Moses' serpent eats everybody other serpents, and then becomes a rod again. He doesn't let him go. Of course not, but every single plague from there on is acted upon by the power of God through the, through the rod, what Moses had in his hand. Strike the waters of the Nile. <laughs> became blood. Raise your rod to the sky and gets full of black clouds and hail comes down. Everything is with what his hand is in his hand. So I am asking you, what is in your hand? You may say, right now I don't have anything. Let me tell you what's in your hand, right now. If they are like mine, I don't see anything there. Let me tell you what's in your hands. Right now, on your hands, all your life experiences are there. Every single moment of your life, everything you've done, everything you've gone through. And you may say, what, what does that mean? Oh, God will use every single life experience in your life to bring about His purpose. What do you think you've learned what you've learned so far? So you can be smart? So you can guess at the TV show games and get it right? Why do you think you've learned what you've learned, whether you went through schooling or not? Life experiences like Moses in the wilderness has taught you and prepared you or sharpened you and made you the person you are right now. And you may be doubtful, who am I? God is not doubtful. He knows exactly who you are and knows exactly what he has brought you through and put the stuff he's put on your hands to be used for his purpose and for his glory. And you have no idea what God will do when you trust him. 
What did Jesus say? Oh, you will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. Why the hands? Why are the hands so important? Any and all of your life experiences have prepared you to accomplish the plan God has for your life. But now, I read the sign that was in the church that is over there on the valley and in Los Barros. And the sign says, God does not give to us, it give, he gives through us. All of life's experiences, everything we have lived and endured and grown through, God will use his power through us and use all of that to bring his name glory. When we talk to people and share with them the gospel, when we extend blessing just by the mere presence of us being in their midst, and let me tell you, we are like Moses. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? But if we believe what's in the scriptures, we are, by faith, children of Abraham. So therefore, we're not only blessed, but we are to be a blessing to others just by the mere fact to be there. Because God is there. And he will give through us. Two things I want to mention before I finish. Number one, even though you may think your dreams are long dead, they're not. Because if they were dreams God placed in your heart for His purpose, They're not dead. You may ask me, how do I know? Oh, in the life of Moses, teaches me this. The wilderness is never final. That's not where we end up. That's where we go through. But we don't end up there. We don't have a God that takes us to the desert to abandon us there. There's a God who allows us to go to the desert and come out from the desert ready and prepared to be used by his hand with power to advance his purpose because it is his glory what we're here to perform. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for him. And whatever it was that we were on that path and it got derailed and we don't understand why. Let me tell you, there's not an answer to that one. 
God's not going to sit down with me and explain why. He's going to come to me and say, are you ready? There's people that need deliverance. Are you ready? Because I'm choosing you to do the job. Father, I pray that we all like, come and say, yes, Father, it's been hard. The wilderness has been tough. At one point or another, we thought we were done. No more dreams to chase. No more higher purpose to imagine. Ours was just to live the day through and expect tomorrow whatever may come. But now we're learning, Father, that your calling is true. And that purpose that you place in our hearts is not going away. It's real. The wilderness is temporary. But your, but your purposes are eternal. And at one point of our lives, you will come back you will come into our desert and you will show yourself strong and you will call our name once again. You will show us our destiny, our horizon, and you will ask us to stand up and go and possess the promise. Who are we? We are your children. We are your chosen ones. We are the blessed because of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life and rose again. And in him, we are complete. Who are you? You are our father. You are the almighty God, the creator and sustainer of life. What do we have in our hands that we can use? All the lessons, all the life experiences, if we use them in faith, you will add power to manifest your glory and achieve your purpose and your goals. We thank you so much for this. In Jesus' name, amen.